I don't know how we got to this, but you made that point of like endurance being the easiest rides. Like you're just going out there and just ride. Right. But yet those involve the most questions from everyone. And why is that? Why is it the most confusing? Like go out and ride your bike. Don't ride zone one. Don't coast. But there's like a thousand questions. You get the most questions about those rides. So why is that? Which is like the overall thing for this. And then going into those nuances of like all those questions and are they important and what is important and what isn't important, you know? Um, so yeah. And then like this, the specific things I have are kind of like my nuances as to how you guys do your endurance rides, how I do my endurance rides and like what works for you, what works for me, what we, what we could all could be doing better kind of stuff like that. I like it. Yeah. Um, I so, think that, that first question I think is really interesting. Like easiest rides, most questions. Like if you look through the discord, I think we could count on one hand how many people ask about VO2 max intervals, but cardiac drift, what percentage should I ride at? Should I ride longer? What should I do with two hours? What should I do with four hours? Is Should I do tempo during endurance? Should I do endurance? Is zone one too low? Like, yeah, a million endurance questions. And now there's a bad thing. I just, I was like, this is so intriguing. No one is asking about the hardest intervals. How do I get more time at VO2 max? How do I execute the fourth and fifth one? Because the first three are so hard. When do I go all ham in on a five minute interval, even though I know it's going to wreck me for the last four? Or do I never do that? When do I focus on the fifth one? Like those are all questions I think would be more important, but endurance for some reason has all these ponderings. And then we had that back and forth. And like my thought was as to why it's the most questions is at least for us, we prescribe those workouts the most. So is it because you're doing the bulk of your rides at endurance and people are like, why am I doing this? Should I be doing more? You know, or maybe I'm saying, should I be doing more in the sense of like, should I be going harder? Should I be doing more tempo, more threshold, more VO2, whatever? Why am I spending all my time at endurance? And then also my other thought was, since people are out on these endurance rides and like, you're supposed to just like chill, you know, and it's like, maybe you put a headphone in, listen to a podcast or something, but maybe people are spending all their time being like, again, why am I doing this? Like you're not bleeding out of your eyeballs. So you're just kind of like chilling and like pondering on, should I be doing more? I don't know. Yeah. That was, that was my thought process and like where it all comes from. I think part of the issue may, might stem from like the term endurance is, it's a very broad term. It, I mean, really what you're trying to describe by that word is building aerobic power from below, right? That's if like, if you get a little more broad and, and try to add to that definition or add to that word. So then you get like, well, I mean, temple's below threshold and, you know, 75% and 70% are all below threshold, but like, what, what's the point? I mean, the point is that you're building your overall training volume with, in, in an aerobic way and not trying to, not trying to bleed those, those intervals into that aerobic development. And it's, it, you know, that we say it's all the foundation all the time, but I think it's, I think it's part partially stemmed from just that it's a very broad way of understanding like what you're trying to do with those hours. Mm. I think you said a really key word volume. Like we are so easy to focus on the intensity. I'm doing threshold today. I'm doing VO2 max. I'm going to hit these watts. Oh, I'm going to go do endurance. And it's like, oftentimes you do the endurance rides with your buds because it's hard to match up everyone's intervals. So like 
then you kind of then the, it's easy to make the endurance ride kind of like sabotage because now you're with your friends and you're like, ah man, I want to go like get a little spicy with you. We got a bun. What's a couple can of rubs, right? And so you know that volume versus intensity aspect, and it just. I mean, we're all out there doing it. It's it's easy to lose focus on, okay, total hours is just as important as, and maybe even more important, that would be an interesting question, versus the intense sessions. And how can you get as much volume where you can still then uh, perform on the days when you need to hit high watts? It's, uh, yeah, it's just a balancing act. I think you guys made a bunch of good points. I think that another reason why all these questions come is since it is, people maybe think of it as this gray area of like, it's this zone, like just go out and ride. So just like all the things you just said, Brandon, all the things you said, Patrick, like, so does that mean I can substitute this just ride for riding with my buddies or doing the group ride or going a little bit harder? Like if I'm just riding, doesn't that count as just my endurance ride? I I think it's important to not say then just ride, you know, like, really be like, hey, consistently pedal. This is the time to work on putting pressure on the pedals. It doesn't mean that it's hard pressure. You know, a little bit of tempo is okay. If you live in the mountains and you're coasting a little bit, that's okay. Don't kill yourself. But the whole point is get those muscle contractions over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Um, I think it's, in, you know, this is kind of off topic, but there was – I think it was on that triathlon podcast. They had one about VO2 max and they were just talking about the difference of when people do Tabata style or micro burst intervals for VO2 max versus when they did like a classic three to six minute interval that while you physically, physiologically were working VO2 max, your actual maximal aerobic power increased in the longer duration ones and one thing that they saw and i can't remember how they tested this or came to this claim was that because of the consistent pedaling obviously required to put out a high average power over five minutes is different than the same average power over 20 seconds on 10 seconds off there was something with breaking that kinetic chain of movement and musculature that you didn't develop as high of a power as the classic sustained ones And so I think it's a very similar thing. Like, don't coast because when you pedal endurance continuously, even if you're at 20% zone one, let's say, that's still a really great job. Like, when I put 10%, like, that's hard to do. 20% zone one, like, by hour three, you're starting to feel a little bit. Like, it shouldn't be you're labored, but your legs have been pedaling for three hours. That's doing work. And I think when, you know, back to your first question, I think that's the big reason why there might be so many questions. If you're out there training and you don't just love riding for riding and you're looking to train, it's not the most difficult session, but every session can't you can't come back being like totally zonked. Um, I don't know. That being said, a four and a half hour, four hour, if you don't ride as much, a three hour endurance ride, it's, it's, a, it's a solid bike ride. Yeah, so you're, you're, making power for a long time and you know part of the the value of that extra duration too is just like those there's you could ride an hour in the morning an hour at night or hour and a half in the morning an hour and a half at night and that's not really going to do the same thing as you know we've heard this time and time again as the three hour the four hour ride you know when you're looking for those aerobic adaptations specifically that like under like pushing things up from below um 
Yeah, I think another, you know, Josh, to your point of why people are asking these variety of questions, people live in a lot of different places. It's one thing if you live in farm country and you can just get out your door and, and you know, to pedal 75 minutes or night, your first 90 minutes of your ride, you're not going to be interrupted. No big deal. Like, and that's, that's very easy. Like when I've ridden in like super flat areas, you just, it's, it's a lot easier or at the airstrip, it's a lot easier just like, Oh, get into that groove, but it's, it's more challenging and it creates more little like problem solving opportunities for riders when they're living in hillier areas or like rolling terrain or, you know, like Brendan, like you're in the mountains now, you have to come up with slightly different routes. I mean, it's not, it's not going to completely dictate what roads you have to choose, but it's a good idea to not go up a, you know, if you're trying to do an endurance day, you're probably not going to go up that gravel climb where you have to like tiptoe down the descent, like, and then do repeats of that at endurance pace. Like that's not really going to help you help your cause at all. Yeah. If you don't have the gearing, like you got to be willing to go slow too. You know, like there are some climbs where I'm just like climbing. I'm like, Oh, well like seven miles an hour. When I first moved here, it really bothered me. I was like, I'm going so slow. But, you know, and so I just have to, you know, either I'm okay doing some tempo that day or I just, you know, it's like, okay, wait, where is that super steep climb that you're doing threshold? Like there's just, I have a 28 and what's in the front of 39. There's, I just do, you can't spin. Like, you know, it's, you're, you're climbing up this thing and yeah, try and avoid that one. Um, you know, it's fun. I like COVID a whole other can of worms, like to my tempo post I was like I really felt like I was riding too much tempo and looking at the numbers it really wasn't that as much as I thought it was um it's interesting but yeah I think you know if you're doing zone two a little bit of zone three majority of zone two you're in the right ballpark I don't know I don't what's where do you guys lay on looking at cardiac drift and heart rate and there's so many questions about that, and, and I guess this is the foolish way to say it, but yeah, if you have cardiac drift, guess what? Keep riding, it'll go away. Like People are like, wow, well, i got to dial it down. I'm, it, when people say, hey, well, okay, so now I'm technically riding at tempo. Unless you're riding 16 to 20 hours a week, the few times that you see that happening, I don't think you need to be spending half an hour optimizing that ride. Spend that time elsewhere. You should be riding instead. Um, Wait, hold on. Elaborate on that. Are you saying when you're saying you're riding in tempo based on power, or you say you're riding in tempo based on heart rate? Sorry. Thank you. Based on heart rate. So if they have cardiac drift, they're riding in yeah, yeah, yeah. technically it's tempo now. I'm like, well, then just keep riding, and it'll go away. You'll get more fit, and then the heart rate will drop. Yeah, I I like it for to to track, sorry, Patrick, just to track like over time, you know, like if you're doing your endurance ride, do it based on power, but see like, okay, hey, at hour two or hour two and a half or three, I started to go up, but then you track that over time and you're like, wow, I'm getting more fit. My aerobic endurance is increasing, you know, but I don't think that should be a, a, you know, a way to govern how hard you ride. I think people do though, or am I incorrect? Like what I seem to pick up on people's comments are always like, yeah, I'm decoupling and I need to tone it down. I'm like, no, dude, you need to just keep pedaling. You're just not fit enough yet. I'm, I don't know. I think definitely there's a case to be made for both approaches. And maybe you use both approaches. Like early, if you've taken a month off the bike, you're probably not going to like want to 
drill it that third hour because then you're going to be by week two you know if you've been doing that and like riding high tempo and all of a sudden tempo is threshold because you've you're, you took a month off and then week two you fall on your face and you can't train well then you're recovering already instead of getting two solid weeks in a row of training right. so baby there's a case to be made for following that aerobic decoupling but also like if your heart rate's going up that means your body's doing more to produce that power that's kind of exactly what you want that's the whole reason you ride that third fourth hour is because you're asking your body to do extra so it adapts i mean that's that's the whole idea and to your point i think that if i was riding so take the month off come back you're riding that's when you need to just be in tune and i understand if someone's in their first year maybe even second year of training they don't know this feeling but when you're like, I'm pushing too hard, this is not endurance, then you naturally back it off. Like, Because if you're going out for, say, a three-and-a-half-hour endurance ride on Saturday and you just came back, when you hit two hours in and you're like, oh, I feel this, this is pretty hard, most 99% of people are going to make the wise call of not trying to ride tempo for the last hour and a half. You're going to crush yourself. You're going to come home absolutely exhausted. You know, you back it down. Now it's like, okay, well, I'm in low endurance that's fine just go get those muscle contractions like just go pedal the bike don't overthink this too much so i guess yeah i take for granted having trained a lot and having that just when you're i don't know you just get you you just kind of know like i'm going too hard right now this is not sustainable um like anything practice makes perfect i mean you you you've been practicing endurance rides i a couple months ago i mean three, four months ago, I was looking back at rides we had done in upstate where I was like, we were out on an endurance ride together. It's like, like you're saying, we're hitting a couple sprints and we're kind of riding steady, but it's just not, I mean, I, and the other thing I'll tie into that is I, I do remember this early on in my riding when, you know, I, I was all got to hit those, got to hit that volume. So it was storming cold possible to ride outside not even on the fixie could we ride outside it's like all right i guess i'm doing three hours minimum on the trainer today and you know you kind of slog through it but when you're on that trainer you you are it's like you're riding the pancake flat road with no wind and you just get the feel you get that feel you get that feel over and over and over and then I was, and i remember going out in my next ride i went outside i was like i know exactly what smooth and steady is supposed to feel like and you know, it doesn't matter if it's a one session to the next session or one year to the next year. You're gaining those new skills by just, like, trying to hone the craft. That's, that's the whole idea. It's, you know, James, who's pretty active in the chat, was talking about his training and appreciate his candidness on things when he had said, damn, dude. I, and James is a cat, too, I think, and so, like, you know, good bike racer. And even he was said, wow, dude, I didn't realize how many 10,000 mile years you had and I was like that's what I'm trying to tell people this is not a three-year hustle like it and not to I'm not trying to say it to people to be like look I've trained so long I'm trying to tell people so that when they get to year two and a half they don't think oh I'm at where I'm at because I remember that like I remember man what was Mount Bora third year fourth year I was like okay I'm in this <laughs> like yeah, getting my foot in this. Like, I thought I was in the game. And then I'd go to a huge regional race. I'm like, how are these dudes that much better? Like, I, I locally, I'm fast. Why am I getting smashed? They just have been riding 10 years longer. And 
so I don't know. I think I hope that that message comes across to people. Just like this is such a long game, which is what makes it fun. There's so much to look forward to. Yeah, granted, it takes a while to get there, but there's so much to look forward to. But okay, so but, but take a step back here, guys. Like you guys have been riding together for a while. So I'm uh, well. So when you guys, whatever, six years ago, seven years ago, eight years ago, are riding together, was there someone? who was telling you, Hey, you got to take it easy. You got to ride. Like you got to be smooth out there. Take your endurance rides. Well, like, did you guys kind of just pick up on this? I'm saying like Johnny pants athlete is listening to this and he's like, yeah, but I've only been doing this for a couple of years. Like I'm going to do what I want for a while. I'll figure it out. Like I'm saying like maybe people think that like it takes time to, to get into that groove, you know, like, or, or I don't know. I'm just saying there's different perspectives here. (laughs) Yeah. It takes time. I mean, you know, so maybe when you're like, I'm going to do a three hour steady ride and your first time you make it 45 minutes and then you start to mess up or you, you don't have to, you don't, it doesn't necessarily have to start as a one by three hour or one by four hour sort of way of thinking. If you're doing three by 45 minutes zone two perfect steadiness, you know, where you're really trying to execute and that's a that's a great place to start. I mean, you just have to kind of piece it together, I would say. I think, you know, nobody, there's so much to try to help a new cyclist do. And so, like, Jason Hillemeyer worked with me. He worked with Patrick at one point, and then we both, Patrick had a different coach. Um, and I think the biggest thing that Jason helped me do was help me realize what I shouldn't be doing, like, Okay, you can't really go do the Tuesday group, the Tuesday training race. Then there might be a Thursday TT and the Saturday uh, group ride. If you want to do well in two weeks of this road race, you need to focus these sessions on this, and then we're going to ride endurance. He was huge on big endurance. Like, he would let me do back to back five and six hour rides. I think maybe it was a little much. Like, I was crawling home from some of the, like, day on Sunday, I was crawling back. We didn't know as much about food, about nutrition, like Bicycling Magazine or whatever's out there. There weren't a ton of like people talking about nutrition. It was 60 grams an hour. I was told 300 calories an hour. So and I remember coming home and just scar, like I was so undernourished in that fifth and sixth hour. Like no wonder I was dead. I had no energy. So I don't know if there was someone necessarily saying like you need to be smooth, but that really more... I think kind of came along maybe when we were in Nashville, like we just started looking, we would like start looking more when we lived in the same city. It's different now. It's like, it's a disappointing thing to think about, but like we'd just be hanging out. It's like, okay, let's like look at when you're sitting next to somebody and both looking at WKO and you're like talking, what? Okay. This is kind of interesting. Like, what about this? I think that's more when we first put out the like, yo, let's try and go ride endurance ride and not coast. And just see what, like, what are good percentages? And, like, when you really, I think when I moved to Memphis is when I posted that. That is ideal terrain. It is, like, super flat. It's 10% is, like, a crazy number to throw out there. I have a 0% chance of here. Um, which is why I've actually gone back and edited that. Because, like, there was somebody who was in a mountain. They're, like, I'm pedaling down this mountain going, like, 50. And I'm, like, dude, don't kill yourself, please. So, you know, there's just a lot of. Uh, it's just so many little things. So I don't know if somebody necessarily told us that. I don't even know where that came from, that we came about that. But. It was, 
Yeah, I mean, an evolution of conversations. I do remember we'd sit, you know, we'd be sitting down, and then we'd go out on a ride, and it was winter, so we're not thinking about like where's my FTP at, where's my VO two max intervals at. I remember we'd try to ride side by side for like four hours, and just like, all right, we're doing two eighty today, four hours, and we'd like kind of first couple hour, first couple hours we'd chat, it'd be a little, maybe we'd go a little hard and get that average up. And then we kind of like around two and a half, three hours, like let's get down to business. And we just start riding. We would stop talking and just ride yeah. side by side. And and that was the whole idea. Like how high can we like PR our three and a half, four hour power? And maybe you're creeping up maybe into like tempo a little aggressively. But, you know, again, like you're riding steady. It's not going to kill you if you're doing it once in a while. But I think that's kind of – that was the beginning of it. Like can we, can we do 300 watts for like four hours? Dude, Florida, dude, we are going to Florida. We are rolling early. We're steady ride. I think also I got into kilojoules a lot, and we were like, all right, let's mm-hmm. go total kilojoules. Yeah. I mean, but dude, we went, and so Patrick was in Nashville probably like three or four years before I got down there. And so we went out on this big club ride, and I was like, oh, we're doing base miles today. I was getting dropped by Cat Four, and people were like, yo, I thought this dude was fast. Like, you keep talking about this dude. And I was like, climbing up to the top people are looking at me like i'm some chump i'm like dude people are smashing this climb and now i'd like do they think i'm going full gas right now I was like i thought it was base miles so i'm rolling in with some like new cat fives and i was like all right whatever we'll see what happens in come race season but you know it's just uh but hold on dude i, w- I want to jump in there dude because i think that's a really good point because people are afraid of that man people don't want to do that people don't want to go out and be the guy who's last up the climb you know oh yeah man want to be good at bike racing you need to check your ego big time because everybody wants to swing it come out and let you know how good they are who cares about wednesday night like the people that are really good at this sport they don't they're going for the big races i mean it's um and 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 i don't mean even check your ego if even if you're a very talented human being it's checking your ego of not needing to flex on people like you know uh i'm trying to flex with dudes who are better than me they're just better bike racers i can't go flex on joey and tina on wednesday or else i'm gonna really get crushed if i want to have any chance of rolling with dudes who are better than me and so you just have to pick and choose like and at the end of the day, we all know where we stand, right? I don't really feel like there's much to prove amongst each other, except on race day. Like, that's the best point about race day is not only how fit are you, but, like, how, can you put the pieces together? Like, can you get yourself there ready to crush? That's a huge part of it. I mean, how do you train right? Anybody can have a random good day. Like, train a lot, and randomly you're going to be, like, popping off. Can you get it dialed for that day? That's part of the fun of racing. Like the preparation is this chess game and we have this thing that's going to, you know, week out, we're going to wonder, do we do enough? Do we not do enough? Too late to do something. How should I ride? Like, that's why you got to do this all the time. So then you know, like, oh yeah, okay. This is that feeling. I did that workout on Tuesday, hit some good numbers. I'm good to go. This is how I roll into the race. And like, you get your little routine or vibes down and that's just experience. But yeah, you know, it's to the point before people want to figure that all out in two years, and it just doesn't happen that way. But And to your point before, like, I'm very into, like, I have no problem asking for help. Like, Mike Minerva was the guy who ran our club, and it was instantly when I was like, oh, I got fourth. Okay, how do I win this thing? 
you know, and I was like, yo, what am I, what do I do in this thing? I don't even know, like, every new bike racer, you know so little about training, you know even less about tactics. Like, obviously, it's not just who can pedal the hardest. If there's somebody that we had a pre-race meeting, a pre-race, like, powwow with the guy who ran the club and all these guys there, and we're all cap fives and fours. And he, I came in probably halfway into the season, and this guy, so it's like June or whatever, and he's like, guys, this has happened the past three weeks. If you leave it to a sprint, you know who's going to win. And everybody looks at my now friend, this guy, Nick Zito, and I was like, that dude, that's who's winning? Like, okay, dude could sprint, so obviously, what do you do? Don't wait for the sprint! Like, and then you, so you figure that out, and then you realize, okay, who can't, you know, it just evolves from there, but getting off the endurance topic, but man, it's, uh, it's just part of the journey. It's just got to keep going and doing it. But I think bringing this full circle though, if you want to go on that journey, you can't go hard every day. Like you have to, <laughs> you got to do those endurance rides, yeah. man. I mean, I'll tell yeah. you, I'm going to, I'm going to look this up. Sorry to grab the mic, Patrick. I'm going to look this up because so this has been my like free two ish weeks before I really tone it down. Almost every ride I'm like, Ooh, there's that KOM. On Sunday, I went for one, and it totally blasted me. Like, just had it been a normal day, I could have done that and gone for maybe four more. Crushed me. I went to go try one more, and I was pushing, like, 370. Like, just not even – I was like, okay, I'm tired. The hard rides, I don't know how some people – well, I do know. They've never had someone say, stop doing that tone it down a little bit and then you're going to really rise to the top when you see yourself when you feel yourself flying when you start riding too hard too often you're like oh okay i'm just crushing myself right now and sunday was per- i was like i got like two hours in i was like i need to i can't even try i went to go for a six minute one i got a minute in. it's like i'm dead and just stopped and pedal up the hill but yeah some people just want to go hard all the time and just you can do that. You're just never going to come anywhere near as close, as good as you can be. Period. It's not even, it's science. Yeah, it's an aerobic sport. Um, tying into that sort of, you know, you can't go higher all the time because then you'll never build your volume. If you're looking to grow aerobically, you need to grow your yearly riding totals. Um, you know, if you like the, the training, Training racing at the time, we did the cyclist training bible. I remember they had some like ballpark numbers. Like if you're a four, you need the 300 hours a year. If you're a three, you need 350. Cat ones are riding 450. Pros are riding five, five to 550. Like world class is going to be in the 500 plus hours a year range. And the only way you get there is by gradually. You can't go for 200 to 500. Not going to happen. Probably won't have happened in three years. Yeah, I mean, when I when I first started doing it, I had no endurance background. I remember just being obliterated after a 12-hour week. I was like, I got a 12-hour week. And I was like, it was a rest week the next week. But I was like, on the couch. And, you know, eventually you do three or four cycles of that. And then, oh, my gosh, I did a 16-hour week. Like, And then, you know, eventually you start. I remember we moved down here. I was like, I'm going to do a 20-hour week. I've never done that before. 20 and but it's a gradual process you can't build your yearly training total hours training hours spent you know muscles contracting 
which the, you know all the stuff that we want our bodies to uh, to do, all the adaptations we want to occur occur you know based on increasing that yearly training volume. And the only way to get that volume up is by riding an endurance pace. I think overall, like the number one takeaway I'm getting from you guys is like it's a long game. Like it's not there are no shortcuts here. Like it's one day at a time, one ride, one year, and that all compounds on itself. Um, and like endurance is just like that, that key building block within that, you know, structure. It's where do they say that thing? It's get the most benefit with the least amount of work done. And that's endurance. And, you know, it's actually crazy to look at. I actually pulled this up, Josh, earlier, but, you know, this is a bad this chart looks messy, but let me see if this looks good. I'll share my screen real quick. Um, I just, oh, well, cause it was a different screen. That's weird. It's kind of tiny, but so first year, second year, third year, I got injured in there, fourth, fifth, sixth. And then it's like, oh wow. And then I really started like increasing the load and was able to handle more. And the biggest thing I think is more endurance, more aerobic work. If just what Patrick said, if you're always going hard, then you're not going to be able to even be recovered to get back up and do the next day. You know, it's the back-to-back big rides. Um, and the other thing is, like, it's with being realistic with people's life schedules, you got to find a way to get volume in amongst all the other things that you want to do. Um, if you want to, like, Thibaut Pino put out a big thing about what he was how he was increasing hours and you know that's somebody who it's his job but i had an athlete who was going to go do a huge gravel race and i've used his, him as an example before because it really highlighted just how some people view this and he said i want to get a top 20 i said cool so do i and he was like what and i was like yeah dude you're going to a huge gravel race like top 20 would be insane you've been training for a year and a half i'm not going to tell you like He's a pretty strong dude, like maybe on a really good day, like some magical thing happens, but most likely you're not going to get top 20. I think more realistic would be like top 50. And he didn't see the like, just that you're going to go race. So I can like, like Ted King's going to be there. Colin Strickland's going to be there. Like these dudes have been training over 10, 15 years. Like just that volume alone is going to obliterate you. And, yeah. you know, it's not me trying to be nasty or negative, but I don't want somebody going in thinking, I'm getting top 20. Top 20 are going to ride away pretty pretty early. So it's a long game. You just got to put the time in. And if you want to compete with those people, my point of that is, if you want to go and compete in gravel or you want to get your cat one, people take it seriously. Like, they take it seriously. Or I'm, I don't even care if I couldn't race again. I'm going to be riding a ton anyways. I just realized in looking that up, I just crossed 150,000 miles. And I don't even think that includes every mile because I don't have, I didn't have a power meter. So now I want to go calculate that. But that's a lot of pedaling. So, you know, people see stuff on Strava like, that's a crazy ride. I'm like, dude, it didn't happen overnight. To, to 12 hour weeks, man. Like, I look back at early training and I was like, wow, that was. But that's. But that was, just like we all went through it, that was the right thing for Jason to have me do. I was so new. It's like, just go ride. Go, you know. I love how much information there is out there. 
I talk to people that I'm like, this is so funny. They know so much about this and they've only been doing this for two years. They like, people are into it. It's just their brain is so much farther along in training than my brain was in two years, but I wrote a lot more. And so I like, that's one of the big things that I have to do is I'm ready to ju- have them jump in and do like 18 hours. And I'm like, okay, wait, this is their second year. Okay. Dude, just consistently hit. Because that's the biggest thing too. Consistently hit 12 hours. Or, you know, if you train 12, 13, 14 rest week and put that on repeat, you will get fast. A lot of people do 12, 14, 11, rest week, 6, 2, 4. Wrong. See, I also, think... you know, com- Go ahead, Patrick. Opposite, oppositely, if you have one bad week, don't let it derail your whole. Don't don't go. Oh, well, it's over. Packing it in. Fire my coat. <laughs> We're done. It's like sometimes life is is a is a challenge, but you don't just discount what you've done in the past and say what I can do in the future is no longer going to be valid either. But you know you can't just limp along at five hours a week. That's just not. That's not going to do it. That's not going to do it. You bring up a really interesting, a really interesting point with the athlete and coach relationship. And I will say this: I definitely have not said this before, but you know, I rode too much last winter. I was actually I lifted too much, is what I'm realizing. Lifted too much, kind of hurt myself, and I was just like, man, you know, like I'd work this out with Tom. And I wasn't upset with him, but I was upset with the situation because I was like, racing was about to start, and I went through all of COVID and just trained. And I'm like, God, and like, it kind of was going away and then just came back. And, you know, we were a few months from nationals and I was like, this sucks. And you just get pissed off. And we, and Josh, I was telling you earlier today, like once I got, you know, better, I was like, okay, I need to be full gas. I'm hitting everything hard. And he, Tom was like, yo dude, you're going too hard. Like, this is not the way to progress. And him stepping in and saying that as the athlete, it was really hard to like, just have that vision. And I was like, I was kind of just like, I was feeling a little sour. Like I was kind of pissed off. Like this sucks. Like I'm going to get blown out at these races. And it was just like, okay, you know what? Don't be Debbie Downer. I'm like, what should we do? Like, let's make the plan. Let's just get to these races as best as I can and see what happens. Because it is like, when things go off course for some some athletes, they don't. The you can tell they, the training peaks come and stop. The emails that used to come don't come as often. I'm like, yo, dude, okay, hey, girl, you okay? What up? And you know, there's like a little clash, and that's why I think the lesson that, that I've learned for myself is like, take the ownership of your training and riding. You're the one doing it, and just ask yourself, how can I use my coach to make this better? And that's all I had to do, like. Don't be mad at the situation. Don't be mad that you got injured. Don't be mad that you had a bad month. Don't be mad that work got crazy. Like when I was doing medical device, I went, I was in Minnesota in the middle of winter for three weeks before race season. Did that suck? Yes. That was life. Like you figure it out. You come back and maybe you're like, okay, guess what? Maybe I'm not going to man. How can I be the man in June? Just work with it. But yeah, I mean, I think it's a, that's a very interesting topic that I don't think we've ever talked about. Just when things go awry, people get upset. 
people quit this. I've seen people quit the sport. Like they're just like, I'm done. This isn't perfect. It's like Josh. We talk about people trying to make things perfect. I don't have the exact right weight. I don't have the exact thing. My power meter's gone. Or like, dude, a guy hit like a traffic thing and turned around and went home. And I literally said, I like, don't understand how. Wait, what? You hit a train crossing and turned around? <laughs> dude, I would have ridden up and down the same street for two hours instead of going. Like, I, my face blew up. So, yeah. Don't overthink it. Just how can I get better? Just The other thing you said is uh, taking ownership over your training. Like, you can't just... Some people do do it where they're like, all right, well, this is the plan, and I guess I'll just I'll do that thing. And they don't leave comments. They don't they don't own, like, they don't ask the why. It, it's really important that everybody, and we all coach from a distance, and we, our relationships with our clients, our athletes are all digital for the most part. But as an individual, like, you, it's not a team sport in that sense like your training is not a team sport your training is like you putting in the work and knowing like what 250 watts is going to do in terms of total kilojoule output like just knowing about training like saying this is how my garment should be set up without it, there's so many things in, in with the way the individual can take it upon themselves to optimize their approach and it's really important if you just if you just kind of go through the motions versus if you invest a little bit in that. And I think that also, and I'm hoping this all up to now, get a ton of questions emailed to us from our athletes, but you know, those questions, it's not that we're not on the ball. I think there are things that you are going to feel as the athlete that we can never touch. I can't be in your body. I can't feel that I'm, that you're super tired. I can't tell you had a bad night's sleep. I can't tell you feel like you should have, should have, or could have gone a little bit harder. Maybe those are too easy. Like I had a conversation with Tom where I was just like, I don't feel like I've gone hard enough. And he's like, yeah, but do you, do you feel like you have like punch when you need it? I'm like, yes. He's like, cool. That should, that's your tell. I'm like, well, don't we need to like go test this and stuff? He's like, I don't think so. Like, you know yourself as a rider. I would rather you get better aerobically work on some lactate clearance, like work on the things we know that you're not great at. Like don't waste this time just confirming what we are pretty sure we know. And it's all those little things, but those little questions like me bringing it up to him or an athlete bringing it up like, Hey, why are we doing this? Like, I feel like I might be missing this. Like that's the biggest thing. I think that every athlete at the end of the month should just ask yourself, like, what do you feel like you're missing? And then does it apply to your race coming up? Like it's a very basic but like this stuff is getting too complicated sometimes I think and maybe that's not uh, I try not to be jaded by having trained so much that I obviously have a lot of I've been coached by a lot of great people I've seen the pluses and minuses of coaching myself I hang out with people who are highly trained individuals we're having a con I'm spending a what's tonight Monday night talking to you guys about endurance training like I clearly love this so I try not to be jaded of putting myself in the shoes of someone who's like maybe two or three years in this, but just don't make it so complex. I look at some, I think I do this every podcast, lost the headphones. I, I think that there's a lot of stuff out there 
that is really good, but it's so detailed that it's like, I watch some of these webinars or like, or, or I was say performances, uh, presentations, and I'm like, I'm taking notes on this to figure out how to apply it to my training. Like, what is Joey doing right now? He's got, he has to be confused by some of this stuff. Like, go ride your bike, some hard sessions, a lot of easier sessions, endurance sessions. That's the point of this podcast. Uh, don't overcomplicate it. Well, do you think but, this stems from, like, you think of, like, marginal gains, right? Like, people latch on to all those small things, and maybe it's because endurance is a big thing and isn't a small thing that it's, like, for some reason easy to explain but hard to understand. You know, where it's, like, you can talk about I need to wax my chain and get my oval chain rings and, you know, whatever, get my oversized pulley wheels, but you just want me to, just, you want me to go ride at 60% for four hours? I... What, what, what are the small things here, you know? I don't know. What are you thinking, Patrick? Yeah, I mean, it's it's just, it's yeah, I guess back to my original thought, like it's just the adaptations, the point of endurance is so broad, it's hard to, it's hard necessarily, like, you know, it's not, you can't just, throw the pulleys on and you're good to go. Like you've done that. Adapta- you've done that adaptation. Like it's just, it's, a, it's a, the longest aspect of endurance training is your, I mean, it's, there's a reason people don't really get to their, their best until they've been doing four five, six, seven. You know, you're not going to find a re- if you, unless you've trained. No, I mean, you're not going to find a plateau of some like great magnitude unless you've really put in those, years and years and years that's the endurance training is the years and years and years you know you can't just draw a couple extra intervals in and be like well i'm gonna keep improving plus i think the bodily changes man that like we don't see that are underneath the hood but also like people that i coach and that have maybe been around for three years I like a pic- I'm sort of like, yo, dude, look at this picture from a race of you like three years ago. You look like a totally non-athlete then. <laughs> and it's just, you change. I mean, I look so much different. Damn, I'm so glad I look like this going into 40 versus I look better now than I did when I was 26, which is crazy. And it's, then I started riding and I thought I, like, you know, I couldn't get really, I was always kind of like, not, nah. I guess flabby was maybe a little word, but like I was, I look like a cyclist, but not a cyclist I've been riding for 10 years. And so those changes are huge. I think you're kind of splitting a couple different things there with like the wax chain thing. That's just people being like techie and into that. I get that. But I think the marginal gains in training are nowhere near looked at in the same light because people can buy it. I'll just give my credit card for that marginal gain. But if I have to go figure out how to do these five by five, uh, VO2 max intervals and get more, squeeze the juice, squeeze the orange a little bit more to get some juice out of it. You know what it probably means? You got to go a little bit harder. I think I'm good with that. I'm going to give you this 200 bucks for these pulley wheels. Like getting better takes time in volume and takes going really hard. So if you're going really hard in like non-focused ways, you're not going to go really hard and your volume is going to get sacrificed. So it's a volume game and focused intensity. And 
I don't know. I'm, you know, everybody's joking that I'm doing like going to do Euro endurance. I'm becoming this European coach working with Tom. But I do think if I could change one thing, I think I would. I think blocks of training. I don't have a. This could be a whole other conversation. Like we're all taught about like training blocks, and they have to be super specific and focused. And once we get into race season. I'm really not knowing if that's true. Like I, and I still coach people this way because athletes themselves see progression within a block. I don't know if that's actually the best way to do it. Like why not do a VO2 max workout on Tuesday and then like a not super hard threshold workout, but like maybe like some over-unders on Tuesday. And those are the two hard sessions. And then you go do endurance on the weekends and you only have three super hard workouts but those three on tuesday i think would be better than doing like i don't know i don't even have to say this i don't know if it's all true but like you know a threshold block of steady state stuff i did steady state stuff for a long time though yeah it made me faster but maybe not as fast as i could have gotten i don't know there's probably depends yeah it, it depends and it's also like it's just the thing that James brought up. He's like, well, the hard thing to piece out now is like, I really can't compare training of me now versus me five years ago. Cause at that point I was only six years into it. And now I'm, or 10 years into it. And I'm, wait, what's the year I started in 2009. So what is that? 13, this is my 13th season. So I don't know me year six versus me year 13. Can't not really fair to compare the two. So we're, t- and I'm actually, this is a perfect example. I'm trying to use wattage and power when there's all these physiological long-term changes at play that unless you were sliced open and mapped and poked and prodded and biopsied every day, just, we can't know everything. That's the art of coaching. That's when you're like tapping into what is this athlete about, where are they go, where have they been, what's the main goal, how do we get there? Um, I don't know. That's why I love this game and trying to help people get better at it. It's just, it's a freaking journey. It's so fun. It's not for people that want the instant, like, this is definitely going to work. We've all done, like, had a few blocks of training where I was like, well, that didn't work that well. Don't be upset about it. We tried it. Didn't work. Still got better. He still pedaled, though. I mean, it still did something. But. All right. Well, sweet guys. I've kept you here for a while with all my, my technical issues. I appreciate it. No problem. Um, I enjoyed this conversation. Yeah. Uh, you you covered all the stuff I had. You like we got to all the questions all, around them. Um, do you guys have anything else? I do not. I know Tom's on this call. I'm going to call him out. Tom, you got any questions? What's up, Tom? How's it going? Good. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. Um, I guess one question I have is, what are you guys thinking of prescribing for your athletes for, like, the winter training endurance miles? Where do you live? Uh, Utica. So, yeah, like near Rochester, that direction. New York. Tom and I have done a lot of riding together. You, uh, so, man, I'm getting soft. I mean, back in the day, similar to what Patrick said, like, if you got stuck in had to do three hours. It was 
It was right outside unless it was 22 degrees or lower. I mean, I did some dumb-ass rides. They were probably not... I'm not even talking not safe because of cars. Not safe because, like, I would come back multiple, multiple times. And as my hands and feet would unthaw, they would burn because it was just... They were so frozen. I remember I remember laying my hands, my armpits, like, damn, dude, maybe I should be going to the hospital right now. And there's a... Actually, I don't... I think I took it off Instagram. Like, my toe was white and i was like damn i might have lost a toe today and people were like what are you doing dude like uh, but i was like i'm coming up to kill all you people and i did but it's i think it's use common sense ride as much volume as you can um if you like mountain biking and the trails it's if it's see i hate it's it's warmer there but you're not really riding endurance then so how, how long were you doing in the, the cold weather like days? Like how, how many six hours? Six hour, 100 mile fixie rides. No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's how, that's that's how this guy found me. I was blogging about this and people were like, dude, you're a madman. And I, it, so I get really into things. I got into, I won a Cat 5 training race and I was like, okay, I want to be good at this. And people were like, go ride. And so there was a group ride, and it was like a two and a half hour ride. And then I was like, "Well, this is it." And people were like, "Yeah, man, it's cold. It's not that cold." So I would do like pre miles, and then we started calling it miles. And then it just kind of like you get things that attach your identity, and people were just like, "Dude, just rides." So then I kind of was like, "Well, I got to do it." Like, got to live up to what people are saying I'm doing. And I just it was it was crazy. I got a crazy amount of. Um, it just felt really good to accomplish that every weekend. And there were definitely times I hated it. I had a couple training buddies that I would do with. Um, Rob Schuler, Patrick and I were briefly together in Rochester. Dan Barney, Dave Richardson at one point. Um, so it Dylan. Um, I'm sure I'm forgetting some people. But, yeah, we just had roots. And I don't know. I wanted to come out in spring and be good. And the only way you do that is you ride the bike. And, you know, I talked with Josh a little bit on a podcast we posted this morning. Not to knock on Zwift people, but there's people that are like, you know, people put out big watts per kg there. And that's like comparing a road race to the watts per kg chart. You know, it's a shorter race. And while there are really experienced people doing Zwift stuff over the winter, if people want to do big grand fondos, big road races, you got to be able to ride three to four hours. And so I want to make sure people hear the message of like, it's cool to do Zwift, go race. That's a discipline on its own. Like that is, there's a specific ways to be good at it. There's specific ways to train for it. If people want to come out and do long road races, they need to also ride long. And you just got to kind of figure that out. Um, it's going to be harder to do a three-hour road race or whatever category you're in, in April, if the longest ride you did is an hour and a half. Because somebody is definitely going to be riding three to four hours. You know, and then it's also a personal choice. I'm sorry, this is a super, super verbose answer, but I've thought about it a lot. Like, if you hate the cold, then you might just need to be like, I'm not riding outside. I'm going to wait and try and be good in June. And that's just the reality of it and schedule around it. I do the flip with some people in Texas who are like, dude, I can't, I'm not good when it's 95 degrees out. 
let's not do a ton of races in July. It's like, cool, you're a perfect candidate to come out and crush people in February, March, and April. Let's hit a little base, go do your family vacations, have normal summer, and then when it's fall again, come back and crush again. Like, you got to work with your life. That's similar to what Patrick said. People want to look at a calendar and be like, this is the Bible. This is what I have to do. It's like, no, you need to talk and communicate about how this can work with your life. So that's a really long answer, but I think um, just be smart out there because when it gets icy, it's probably not worth it. No, dude, I think it's a really good point. I think it, it, it hurts me when you guys say all these long rides that you guys did because I don't, I'm never going to be that person and I just can't do it. But I've adjusted my goals. Like in New York City when we were racing and the races started in March, I'd be like, yeah, I'll do those races, but I have no expectation. Like I'm going to peak later in the season, you know, where all these dudes will come out and crush it. And I'm like, I just can't do it. You know, I can't go long. I'm inside. Um, and then just pick up the volume as it gets a little bit warmer out. Um, yeah. yeah, there's no harm in doing that. You know, I think it's finding your your flow. It's good. You got to be happy doing it. I mean, and I was like, I was just in a different point of life. Like, I was ha- I was getting so much. I wasn't getting any like great feelings from work. It was like go make money. That didn't make me happy. And I was getting all of the joy from bike rides. So for me not to do it, I was gonna be like, so wait, what am I doing? Like, what am I accomplishing? Work wasn't like pushing that button. So if you're crushing it at work and you're like, yo, I feel filled, like biking is this thing I like to do, then yeah, don't go ride five hours in the snow. That sounds horrible. <laughs> uh, yeah, I um, my first winter outside was my second year of racing. My first year of racing, actually, I didn't really, I wasn't, I didn't know what training was uh, for that whole year. I just kind of like started doing it really late in the end of the year. Um, but I, I really enjoyed that similar. Like I enjoyed the process of feeling like I was going to become a bike racer. And I was, and my, the first year I didn't really feel like much like a racer. I didn't have, I had, you know, a, I didn't know anything about training. I could go kind of hard for like 30 seconds, a minute, maybe two minutes. And then my very first coach was like, you got to go on some longer rides. It's like, that's why you're not really feeling that well. You know, you don't have the aerobic stamina. So it was like, I rode a little bit more and I, got on a cat cat four podium in a time trial which is still hilarious i was like cool i gotta do winter now i gotta do this winter so bought the fixie and started riding outside i was like because i'd had that revelation later in that late in my season like riding volume helps you race stronger after 60 minutes and it's it's no-brainer now but in, in the you know i'll relate that to a post i saw corbin strong uh, who's a New Zealand track rider? He just he's a just got a European contract. He's got uh, national track championships. I think he's done really well at Worlds. And his post was, "Man, finally, uh, I'm finally starting to, to feel less like a trackie in Europe." And I'm sure what he means by that is like, I'm finally not obliterated two and a half hours into a race. And this is a guy who's was i mean he put the hurt on when we were at southland like he was crushing people at southland and he gets to europe and he's like i still don't have enough base that's what he's saying so you know that's the point what do you think you're gonna do tom i'm trying to figure it out 
I'm going to definitely, I, I do ride in the cold, but I haven't tried anything more than like an hour, uh, maybe, maybe an hour and a half. So I, I'm going to try pushing it a little bit. Um, and then, yeah, I'm going to try some like trainer, like Swift rides. So the gear, the gear is crucial. You have booty, you have like things, feet and hands are, are yep. crucial. Yeah, I'm working yeah, on that. Cool. Some good stuff, but I'm going to try to make it better. So what you temperature? Know, we, let's pick a temperature and let me get you dialed because I have some pointers. Like I have some other pointers that are like, you don't put all the stuff on top until you're literally walking out the door. Like meaning I would come downstairs with my socks on, my bib shorts, and like, so maybe I'm wearing a base layer and then like a long seat jersey. You have all your bottles. Everything's like ready to literally walk out the door. People get dressed and they start filling bottles. I'm like, dude, you're going to start sweating. If you go out a little bit damp, you've lost the game. And you want to be a little cool when you start. If you go out and you're like, I'm good, you're actually overdressed. Like, you should be wanting to get on your bike to start to pedal. So, you know, the right socks, like wool, wicking socks. I, You know, you don't have to get too crazy with them. Like, they don't have to be a crazy expensive pair. But just something that's not going to get just wet. I would say no boots because those often just leave too much heat and they sweat. I would say multiple layers of booties if you're going like a warm and then like a wind and water breaking one. And then it's either like one or two pairs of leg warmers. Thermal bibs are a game changer. And then the top layers. Like you should have multiple combos of whether it's like a long sleeve base layer or some days it's a normal base layer but arm warmers and maybe have like a fleece jersey. See you, Patrick. Gotta go. Different types of that. Like, it's all about, like, getting the right combo dialed and then, like, 80 pairs of gloves because every pair does something different. So it's like an investment, but when you – and take notes. Hey, 35 and cloudy is different than 35 and sunny. It requires different clothing. And once you start being, like, overdressed, underdressed, you're going to have a guide that's like, okay, this is this for me, this is this for me, and – then you're right. I have this little thing, dude. I just thought about this and I'll post it on the discord. I've had this for like years and it's like a, a temperature chart and it recommends like what you should wear. And like, yeah, you have to tailor. Have blog, oh, do you? Okay. I didn't know you had one. Okay. Well, yeah. yeah. So check out the blog. Um, but I'll post this thing too as another reference. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, no, dude, Tom, it's your exact, dude, I'll tell you what, man. So after I did read that blog, it's coming back to me. Cause when you mentioned that thing of like, not getting all your layers on before you go outside. So I have tried that and that has actually helped, but I will tell you, dude, in my experience for me, there's never a warm enough glove. There's never a warm enough sock or shoe cover or anything like I, it just never works for me, man. But I'm, I think you're just tougher than me as well. And like, I'm, I can admit that. (laughs) I mean, I wouldn't say I'm tough. I'm actually pretty delicate, but I just want it real badly. And it's like, these guys are going to go ride two and a half hours. I definitely have one more hour. And then guess what? You get to that other hour, you're like, I got half hour more. It also helps to do loops. Don't ride. If you're doing a four-hour ride, don't ride two hours. Guess what? When you're really cold and you know that you have to ride two hours home, you're going to do it, but it's kind of miserable. Whereas if you're like, okay, I'm going to go do this loop. It's two hours. I'm like in a safe area. I'm only committed for two hours. But I'm planning to definitely go. So if the wind, you know, if the weather turns like dude i've gotten caught in a blizzard before like you upstate new york you guys know like you can be out riding and then it can be like yo roads are covered now you're not really in a great situation that's just not smart yeah so i'd ride a loop 
be like half an hour from home, do the other loop, be a half hour from home, be like, I got one more loop. And then boom, it's a five hour ride. You're like, you come home, everybody else in two hours and they're like, damn dude, you just crushed it. And you're like, yes, I did. Thank you. I love the loop idea. That's awesome. Yeah, I haven't thought of that. Let's do good. that. And then, you, you know, there's, and maybe it's me, I don't like being in areas where I don't know where I am. Like, how far is water? How far is this? When you are see surrounding things, you are more focused on, I can do this ride, not shit. Am I, like, going to be stranded out here in the freezing cold? You're just, you're just out riding. And, you know, I think it, it's, again, the mental side. Like, just make yourself feel safe out there. You know, don't be like, we're not Lois and Clark going on this crazy expedition hoping we come home and die. But it can easily become that when you're dealing with those conditions. And people who live in the South have no idea what we're talking about. But, like, the cold and riding, it's – because you could flat, let's say, and then you have to take your gloves off and you change it. That can be a day-ender where it's just like, dude, my hands aren't getting – then you got to find a bathroom, like, try and warm your hands up under a dry – like, it can be a mess. But the gains, how much do you want it? Yeah. So – Dudes, I'm going to bed. Go to sleep, man. Thank you for this. Thanks, uh, guys. Tom, thanks for coming by. Yeah, thanks, Tom. Yeah, thanks for the info. That was awesome. All right. Josh, post this up tomorrow if you have time. Yep, we will do. And uh, I'll try to not have technical issues the next time we do this. It was fine, man. Facebook was weird. I don't know why that didn't work. Yeah. But um, I think this is – let's just go roll the Discord. All and right. One of us will just have to go no headphones. And, um, yeah, we'll figure it out. It was great. All right. Thank you, Tom. Thanks. Thanks for putting this together and the ideas. Awesome. Yeah, for Tom. sure.